0: Or anybody else but Christ. And we desperately need him. We as sinners desperately need him. We also considered from our text in verse 18 how the false teachers had a had a false humility. It was a fal- it was a, a sham. Remember, we, we looked at the Greek words and it was a sham humility. It was a false humility. And they were also promoting the worship of angels as mediators. And we see where Paul, he writes here, let no man beguile you of your reward and a voluntary humility, the sham humility, and worshiping of angels. So so they're turning people away. They're trying to turn the Colossian believers away from the one true mediator, which is the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. He's the one true mediator between God and man. There's no other mediator. And we also looked at, as, as the text continued there, intruding into those things which he hath not seen. They... God has not revealed himself to the false teacher. He's promoting salvation by works by adding something to the work of Christ. But he's not he doesn't know Christ and vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So they promote their own false doctrines, they promote, they promote false doctrines which which aren't even in Scripture. They're puffed up in their own minds, and they're blind, spiritually blind, to the things of God. Thus, we can we can apply to them what the Lord said about the the Pharisees. They're the blind leading the blind. They have no idea. They have no clue who God is. He's not revealed. He's not being pleased to reveal Himself to to them as as He has with us. Just as as Joseph again, and I use that illustration all the time because to me that's one of the most. Um, the, one of the best illustrations in Scripture of God revealing Himself to His people. Because they did not know who Joseph was, and He revealed Himself, and they knew Him. And they, they wept, didn't they? They wept with joy. Yeah. So these false teachers are promoting doctrines which can't be found in Scripture. So tonight, let's look at verse 19. And as always, we'll pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will teach us about Christ. That here illuminate the Scriptures. Because if he doesn't illuminate the scriptures again, it's just words, isn't it? Like Tim James says. You know, we, need to, we, we preach praying that God the Holy Spirit would, would illuminate the scriptures and teach us of Christ. Scripture declares in verse 19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So we see here from our context that Paul again is continuing the thought which he was writing about in verse 18. Bringing to the forefront here that the false teachers were promoting angels as mediators which we see in verse 18 and contrasting contrasting the false teachings with the fact of Christ. The fact of Christ. And look, it's capitalized too. The fact of Christ being the head. The head of the church. The one mediator, beloved. There's no other mediator between God and men. And Paul's here quick to point out who is the head. It's Christ. It's Christ alone. And he is the head of the angels too. The very one that these false teachers are promoting, that, that the very ones that the false teachers are promoting that, that you need to go through, Christ is the head of them. So Paul again is pointing them right to him. Right to him. And he is the head of the church. He is the preeminent one. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's over all. He's the sovereign creator and Lord of all. And these false teachers bring reproach upon Christ. They bring reproach upon Christ by teaching that there's other mediators. They bring reproach upon Christ. Who is the only head of the church. They make angels mediators with the Father along with Christ. As I said before, Christ to them is just one of the steps to get to the Father. One of the mediators to the false teachers. And now this wicked practice still goes on today. We've looked at that too. This wicked practice still goes on today. When men make angels or Mary or other saints to be mediators with the Father. They've just changed it to to stick Mary in there. Or stick a saint in there—it's the same wicked practice, beloved, and it brings reproach upon Christ. Turn, if you would, to First Timothy two. This is a scripture I know we looked at last week, but I'd like to look at it again. It's very pertinent to what we're what we're we're looking at tonight. And this is actually a verse where the Lord started to shake when I was in Catholicism. I shared this with you guys before. This is the verse that the Lord uses to start to shake shake the ground I was standing on in Catholicism. Because somebody said to me, they said, why do you go to a priest and pray? Ask him for forgiveness. And I said, well, I don't know, because that's just, you know, I, I didn't know. I thought, I don't know. That's just what we do. And he said, but that's not what the Bible says. And I didn't know what the Bible says, because I didn't really read it back then. So I had no clue. But look at this verse. This is a great verse to show our Catholic friends, people who we know who are who are steeped in that darkness of that religion. Look at this. For there is one God. There's only one God. And one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ, Jesus. See, there's no need for a priest. Because he's the priest. He's the, he's the believer's priest. Who gave himself a ransom for all. Again, folks will take that all there and they'll say, look, Christ died for everyone. No. We know that he died for all his sheep, didn't he? We know that. So the all there is specific to his sheep, to be testified in due time. That's why it's important, beloved, to always, 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 when you see a word like that, who gave himself a ransom for all, always look at other scriptures. Christ says, I laid down my life for my sheep. So the all there must mean his sheep. And we know, and then you contrast that you, or you bring that together again with Ephesians 1 4. All the Father give are in Christ. See, the scripture will scripture will support Scripture. So let us ponder something which we've seen so far in our study and see if it ties into this verse tonight that we're looking at. The false teacher does not cling to Christ. He doesn't cling to Christ. He clings to things he has seen or things that he does to be seen of men. Things that he's seen or things that that he does to be seen of men. He fails to see what Paul has been setting forth before us all through this epistle. And we know from our study in chapter 1 and so far in our study in chapter 2 that Paul is setting forth before the Colossian believers and before us the all-sufficiency of Christ and the salvation of sinners. That he is Is an all sufficient Savior. And He has the preeminence. He has the preeminence. The false teacher does not teach this because he does not know Christ. He does not know Christ. He's not born again. He does not know that he does he has no idea that that in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He does not know that. And we don't know that until God reveals it to us. eh? And when he does, we, we just marvel. We just marvel. The false teacher does not know the believer is complete in Christ. And Paul writes, Paul writes in verse 10, right? "I know we keep hitting this, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The believer is absolutely complete in Christ. The false teacher does not know this. He does not know this. That's why he promotes something that you must do. That's why the Colossian believers were promoting something that they had to do. Remember we saw we saw earlier in the verses, um, verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or the new moon of the Sabbath days. Remember? Things, that, things you do. Things you do. So, so the false teacher does not know that the believer is complete in Christ, so he adds things. He adds things. That you must do. And we know from scripture, beloved, we know from scripture that we're not saved by any of our own works. None at all. So the false teacher is promoting, as Paul says in Galatians, another gospel. Another gospel. How do we know that? Because we know the true gospel. What's the best way, again, what's the best way to fight error? To know the truth. To know the truth. That's why it's absolutely vital that we that we sit under the preaching of the gospel. That we, that as I keep saying, faithful men will preach the gospel every time someone's in the pulpit. It must be preached. Christ must be preached. The gospel must be pre- preached. So the, the false teachers then are promoting another gospel, which, which is not a gospel, Paul says in Galatians. It's a false gospel. And there's no good news in that false gospel. There's no good news in the false gospel. Because it, 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 the reason there's no good news is that it, it says you have to do something for your salvation. And we can't be saved by our works. And they're not good news, is it? Not at all. But the good news of the gospel is Christ did it all. And the believer is complete in him. That's good news for sinners. That's good news for the sinner. I'm so thankful because I can't save myself. But I know, I've had revealed to me the one who can save, save all who come to him. Oh my. So Paul here in our text is saying that Christ is the head. He gets all the preeminence, all the glory. He is the one who has saved us. He's the one who's washed us in his precious blood. In our text, Paul tells the Colossian believers that Christ is the only head. Let's look at our text again. In not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands have in nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So Paul tells the Colossian believers that Christ is the only head. And we know from other scriptures that he is the only Lord. He's Lord of lords, King of kings. He's the giver of life. And in our text here we see that the whole body, all the elect of all the ages are knit together in him, in him. By the false teachers adding angels as mediators, they're not holding the head, which our text says. They're not holding the head. They're not holding Christ as the only mediator. They don't believe in Christ alone. But Christ alone is the head and Lord of, of all the angels. Christ alone is the head of the church. Christ alone is King of kings. Christ alone is Lord of lords. No one else. He rules supreme. And these false teachers were seeking their spiritual strength and nourishment and guidance from something other than Jesus. They were seeking their strength and spiritual nourishment in the worship of angels. And what they did and didn't do. And beloved, it will lead to their eternal doom. And it will lead to the eternal doom of all who fall. Oh, but verse 19 makes makes clear, as Paul points out, that our spiritual nourishment and strength comes from that which God has ordained. And he has ordained the Lord Jesus Christ as the head, the head of the church, in whom we are all saved, and that through him all spiritual blessings come to us, come to his people. We're the body. How does how does this body get nourished? Think of this. Think of this. How does this body get nourished? By food going in the head. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Body won't grow unless you eat. My oh my. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands. Having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So the false teachers, beloved, have substituted that which is false, angel worship, and, and what you have to do and what you have to eat, what you have to drink, and they've, they, they've mixed it in with the one who we alone are to worship. The one who we are to trust. They've mixed works with grace and they poisoned it. It's no longer grace. We serve the one who can save us from all our sins. We serve the one who is the one true mediator between God and man. We serve the one who is the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the believer, the believer in Christ, we live a life of dependence upon him. Don't we? Can can we live a day without Him? Can we live a second without Him? Absolutely not, beloved. Absolutely not. He gives us the very breath we breathe. Huh. Saved and unsaved. My. So we live a life of dependence upon Christ, and God has God has ordained that the the believer is the that as the believer, pilgrimage through this life, and that's what this life is for for you and I. It's a pilgrimage, beloved. We're we're just sojourners. We're 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 heading to a better country. We're strangers and pilgrims in this world. Think of them pilgrims. They came all the way across that ocean, didn't they? Now, that's not even my notes, but I'm thinking about that. For Thanksgiving, we're, we're, we're celebrating the pilgrims coming. Well, they left their homeland. And they journeyed across that ocean. And it wasn't like nowadays in these big old ships. It was in wooden ships. <laughs> and Brother John, you've talked to me about how rough that sea can get sometimes. And you're out there in a wooden ship, bounced around and going through storms. And it took them months, I think, to get here. Months. They sought a better country, beloved. We seek a better country. We seek a different place, right? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. <laughs> oh, good old hymn there. That's, that's, it's the truth. though. We're just passing through, beloved. We're pilgrimages. We're, we're on a pilgrimage through this life. And as we grow through this life, we grow in grace. And we draw nourishment and strength from the head of the church, Christ. Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord, we, we, is all the nourishment for the believer. And how are we nourished as believers? Through the preaching of the gospel, through the reading of his word. We're strengthened in prayer, aren't we? We're strengthened when we see prayer answered. We strengthen when we see God at work in other people's lives and in our lives. It gives us strength. gives us hope. As we just journey through this life. Whoa, what a great God we have. And we grow through the preaching of His Word. And thus the believer grows in grace. He grow, grows in the grace and knowledge and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we receive our nourishment, our growth, and grace. From from Him alone. The more we draw from the well of Christ, the more we grow and increase spiritually. And and it's not us giving the increase. It's God. He gives the increase, beloved. And then we're knit. The more we grow in grace, the more we're knit together in love. The more we're knit together in love. Look at Colossians 2.19 again. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Now turn, if you would, over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Just a few, few pages over. Ephesians chapter 4. And keep in mind, I'll read our text again. And If you go to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 14 to 16. Our text says, And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have in nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Like when them false teachers come or people start promoting false doctrines, the believer's not carried away because he's grounded. He's grounded in the true faith of Christ Jesus our Lord with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of man, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth and love, may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, that being, that's the elect, all the elect of all the ages, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The body is fitly joined together and compacted by by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in in the measure of every part. It's, It's Christ working in us. It's God having us grow in grace. We receive all our nourishment from the head. All of it from Christ and Him alone. The believer holds. See where it says in not holding the head? The believer holds and clings to Christ who is the head of the church. Holding in the Greek is to use strength. That is to seize. To hold fast. We cling to Him. We, we hold fast to Christ. And not holding the head. Let's look at our text again. In not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Let's look at the little portion where it says, from which all the body, here we have the connection of the body and the head, showing the preeminence of the head, and the fact that all the body will receive that which will be spoken of in our text from the head, which is the body receives all nourishment from the head. The body is knit together because of the head. You see, without the head, think of this, without the head, we're dead, aren't we? If someone takes our head off, we're dead. Now, we can live without a limb. Right? But you can't live without your head. You can't. And we cannot live without our head. So this shows the vital union between Christ and the believer. It's an absolute vital union. Vincent says in the Greek that from which is fixing the personal reference of the head to Christ, which is what we looked at in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, where it says, uh, which is the head even Christ in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. So it fixes the personal reference of the head to Christ and him alone. Our text continues. All the body. This is referring to all the elect of all the ages. All the elect of all the ages. The church. The mystical body of Christ. Which like a human body consists of various members. All in union with one another. All in union with one another. All in subjection to the head. To the head. Remember, we don't make him Lord. He's already Lord. We don't make him the head. He's already the head. (laughs) He gets all the preeminence. And remember this. I remember Henry Mahan saying this. That when we take pictures, we don't take pictures of our feet or our hands. We take pictures of the head. Because the head is the preeminence part. It gets the preeminence all the body so this is this is referring to all the elect of all the ages and he receives all the, the head receives all the preeminence we are the body and he is the head Calvin says this about this portion of scripture he simply means this that the church does not stand otherwise than in the event of all things being furnished by her by Christ the head so without the head we're nothing that's basically what Calvin's saying. He's saying, he said, he says, the, head, the, the body can't stand without the head. And accordingly, he goes on in accordingly that her entire safety consists in him. Our entire safety. The entire safety of our souls. Right? It's all wrapped up in Christ, isn't it? It's all in him. Without Him, I have no salvation. Without Him, I have no eternal life. I have nothing without Christ. It's all wrapped up in Him. Again, in short, the body is nothing without our head. But we're complete in our head. We're complete in Christ. We're complete in Him. We are fully and completely saved in Christ. We are fully and completely redeemed in Christ we are fully and completely justified in Christ we are fully and completely sanctified in Christ we are fully and completely forgiven in Christ that's good news for sinners oh my and the reason is is because he is our head he is our head he is the preeminent one he is god incarnate in the flesh He is the one who shed his precious blood for all our sins. And we grow in grace as we pilgrimage through this world. We feast upon the things of Christ, his gospel, his word, which all point the believer to Christ. Every time the gospel is preached, every preacher is pointing you to Christ. Look away from yourself and look to him. Look to the head. Look to him. He alone is the head of the church. He alone is the one who receives all the preeminence. Let's look at our text again. And not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. All the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together. Again, the body here is the church, the mystical body of Christ, all the elect of all the ages, And we have, we're all in union. We're all in union in Christ. We're one body and he is the head. John Gale comments thus, by joints and bands are intended either the grace of Christian charity or love, the bond of perfectness, which is that in Christ's mystical body as joints and bands are in a human body. For by for by this the members of Christ are joined, united, and knit together. We are joined, united, and knit together in Christ alone. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. But we're, we're united in Him, aren't we? We are. In Him. Oh my. In Christ alone. Knit together in him. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Note in our text, knit together. Think on how the hands are, are knit to the head. Is My hand here is connected to my arm, which is connected to my shoulder, which is connected to my neck, which is connected to my head. And my arm does whatever my head tells it to do. And so does yours. And your legs do whatever the head tells it to do. Whatever it commands. And, and it happens so quickly, beloved, that we don't even, we think it and, and, and we're doing it. <laughs> Isn't it incredible? But the head controls everything. Everything. We are told to walk by the head and our legs walk. Our bodies are knit together by a nervous system as well, which goes all through our bodies. And think on this, beloved Christ is the cornerstone, and the believers in Christ are knit together, knit together as He nourishes us with His Word and with His doctrine, which points us to Him. And we feast upon Christ. As we hear the gospel preached, and we grow in the grace and knowledge of truth of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit teaching us, and it's God who gives the increase. Man cannot muster it up. God gives the increase. Look at our text. The latter part of our text increases with the increase of God. So let us remember that Christ is both vital for His people, for for life eternal. In light, we can do nothing nothing without Christ. And we can know nothing of Christ unless He reveals Himself to us. And then He teaches us through the preaching of the gospel and the reading of His Word by the Holy Spirit, increaseth with the increase of God. I'm looking at folks who have been taught of God, who've been, who have incre- been, you've increased in your knowledge and wisdom of Christ by God the Holy Spirit teaching you. And it's marvelous. It's absolutely marvelous. We increase. We, it, the body increases with the increase of God. God is the source of this increase, beloved. Think of that. Brother Chet, when you were growing up, did you know what you know about the Bible now? God has given you the increase. He's, he's taught you the things of Christ. And I know Brother John, the same we we did not know the things of Christ. And he's taught us. Brother Tim and I've talked about that. God teaches us. And we increase not to be puffed up. But but doesn't it have this effect on you? The more you learn about Christ, the more you're just going, oh my goodness, what a merciful Savior. What a wonderful saint. What an amazing, what amazing grace this is. What a redeemer I have! It humbles us, beloved. It doesn't make us proud. It puts us in the dust. And think we will spend eternity beholding him. My, oh my. My, oh my, beloved. Increase with the increase of God. God is the source of the increase for believers, for the whole body of Christ, for all the elect. And we must never forget the Holy Spirit's role, not only in our salvation but in our growth, in our growth in grace. It, the Holy Spirit is involved, in much as our, in our salvation is the Father and the Son, right? The whole Trinity is in, in action, and even and even in our in our. Growth in grace—it's the whole Trinity. God, God, God has us grow in Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us, and Christ is the one who we learn of and who we feast upon. It's the—and—and and then one day, we behold Him face to face. We must never forget that the three are at work together in the salvation of the elect and in the growth and perseverance of the elect salvation is of the lord he keeps it, he saves us he keeps us and here presents us faultless my oh my what a great god we serve and let us think on this beloved the whole body so united grows in connection with its head without the head it dies without joints and bands the body falls to pieces the body falls to pieces and the application here before us pictures the fact that that one can, can, can enjoy neither life nor growth if misunderstanding Christ, if not knowing who Christ is spiritually. We, there's no growth spiritually if you don't know Christ, if you're not united to Him. And He must put us in the body, right? We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not something, salvation is not something we can muster up. This is all His work, all His work. And our text before us illustrates the wonderful union between Christ, who is the head and, and the church. God's elect, who is his body? Who is his body? Think of this: Nothing else and no other can supersede or replace Christ's work as mediator before the Father. And that's what the false teachers were saying. But we know, we've been taught by God that nothing can supersede Christ's work, nothing. Nothing can replace His work. Nothing. God only accepts us in Christ. In Christ. In Him alone. The church finds no other merit before God except in the atoning merit of Christ's shed blood which He shed as our substitute before God's holy law being made a curse for us on Calvary's tree. Our sins were imputed to Him and He bore them. He paid everything God demanded. And in His... Perfect, spotless righteousness is imputed to us. May we just marvel over that? It's incredible. So the church finds no other merit but in Christ, no other merit before God except in Christ and except in His atoning shed blood for our sins. No angel or a created being can ever supersede or replace Christ, to whom all power is given in heaven and earth, all power. And the false teachers were turning. Turning, trying to turn, trying to turn the Colossians away from the one who is all in all to the church. Without Christ, think on this beloved, without Christ we have no redemption. Without Christ we have no justification. Without Christ we have no salvation. Without Christ we have no peace with God. Without Christ we have no forgiveness of sins. Without Christ we have no justification. Without Christ we have no atonement for our sins. Without Christ we have no righteousness to stand in the presence of God. In, in short, in short, without Christ, we have no hope. None. And we can see how the false teachers, as Paul said, were not holding the head. They weren't holding the head. From which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. This increase spoken of in our text proceeds from God. He adds to the church also as he is pleased. He saves his people when he's pleased to save his people. He adds to the church. He gives gifts to the church as he is pleased. As he is pleased. In contrast with what we see in verse 18, look at verse 18, which speaks of the false teachers. And we see here that it has the direct opposition of what Paul writes in verse 19, saying that in Christ, the head, we have everything. It says, let no man beguile you of your reward in the voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. So the false teacher is puffed up within, within himself, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. But the believer in Christ, see, increases with the increase of God. It's not our doing. It's God's doing, beloved. But the, but the false teacher, he's puffed up by what he knows. By what he thinks he has and what he thinks he knows. Believers don't get puffed up. We're in, the, we're in the dust. We're in the dust before our great king. And it's the work of God, the Holy Spirit. Look it over in v- chapter 1. We know that this increase, how when, when Paul writes, increases with the increase of God, we know it's the work of God, the Holy Spirit. Look at verse Eleven or ten and eleven of chapter one, that she might work worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. It's the work of God, the Holy Spirit, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. And over and turn if you would quickly over to First Corinthians chapter three. The Lord is the one who gives the increase. The Lord is the one who established our faith in Christ. Look at First Corinthians chapter three, verses six. Now, there's a there's a problem going on over here in Corinth. There's preacher worship going on. They're they're penning, they're, they're they're saying, well, I, I, I'd rather listen to this preacher over here. He's he's oh boy, he's fine. And 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 then you got well, no, I I, I this is my favorite preacher. That ought not to be, beloved. And Paul's rebuking him over this. And look look what look what Paul writes though. He's saying that it's God who gives the increase. Look at verse six. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There it is. That ties right in with our verse. Ties right in with our verse tonight. Which says the body increases with the increase of God. God must give the increase. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12 and 13 says this, And the Lord make you to increase. The Lord make you to increase. And abound in love. One toward another. And toward all men. Even as we do toward you. The Lord make you to increase, beloved. To the end, he may establish your hearts, unblameable in holiness, before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. God must get the grace. Do you grace. Do you see how this is the opposite of religion? Sister, you and I have came out of that. They, they want you to do so many different things and, and, and follow their checklists and... But it's God who gives you increase. Now that doesn't mean we just sit around and don't do anything. No, it doesn't mean that. We desire to grow in grace, don't we? We desire to grow. We read His Word. We study His Word. We pray. We we fellowship with one another. Iron sharpens iron. We get excited when we speak of the Lord and the things of God. But we grow in grace according to his, Him increasing this. Look at, turn up You would over to second Peter 3.18. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now we know from comparing Scripture to Scripture tonight that this increase only comes by God the Holy Spirit. Look at 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace. 2 Peter 3.18. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. He gets all the glory because He's the one who's given us the increase. (laughs) You see, religion, religion, they want the glory. But the believer in Christ wants to give Him all the glory because we know He's the Alpha and Omega in our salvation, and He's the one who gives us the increase. So really, we can't anything we think of this too. What you know for your work, right? Any knowledge we have of anything is a gift from God. We can't claim we can't. You know, we. I was thinking about this this week as as I was pondering the scripture, and I was thinking how how proud we can get when we learn things, right? How we can. Oh, no, I know this stuff. But everything we know is a gift from God, and we know that as believers. We didn't know that when we were in the world, so we promoted ourselves back then. But but we don't do that in the body of Christ. We we'll look at that Sunday morning uh, when we look at glorifying God in in uh, Sunday school. That that we seek we seek. We esteem others better than ourselves in the body of Christ. We esteem others better than ourselves. So we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit teaching us. Now, let us think upon His person. Who Christ is. Think upon his offices. He's prophet, priest, and king. He has no equal. None at all. Think upon his grace, which is given to us freely. Think upon his mercy, which is manifested to us in the death of Christ for our sins. There's no greater security against error than studying the truth. We do not need to be We do not need protective isolation. Believers who are properly taught in the word of God can themselves discern truth from error. Spiritual food from spiritual poison. You know when you hear something that's not right. You know when, when, say, someone we know starts popping off about something. You know Because you're feasting on spiritual food. And when you hear something that's tainted or doesn't, oh, we don't want to. It's like Gene Harmon told me a long time ago. God's sheep will go a long, long ways for clover. And we as believers, sheep feast on clover. and We feast on the clover of his word. The clover of his word. And the word speaks of Christ. And we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior as the Holy Spirit teaches us. And that's what helps us to guard against error. So Paul is grounding the believers here in truth. He's contrasting that which the false teachers are saying to the truth that Christ is the head. They need no other mediator. They need no one else. Let's look at our text again. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Jesus Christ is the head of the body, which is the church. And we saw, we've also looked tonight at how, how those who do not see Jesus Christ as the only meter between God and men are not holding on to Christ, right? They're not holding on to Christ. What else have we looked at tonight? We've looked at how worshiping and praying to angels, Mary, the dead man, is, is a manifestation of a fleshy mind that has not seen Christ through the eye of God-given faith. We've also looked at how the members of the body of Christ are ministered by Him. By Him. How? Because we're knit together with Him, aren't we? He's the head, we're the body. And, and we've looked at how the body increases with the increase of God. We grow in grace and in the knowledge of Him by God the Holy Spirit teaching us the things of Christ. So we can conclude from what we have studied that Christ is the only head of the church, the only Lord, the only King of kings, the giver of life, and that the whole body is knit together in Him. In Him and through Him we receive life, nourishment, growth, and grace something I read today on a friend's Facebook page, and I thought it was fitting to put right in here. He wrote this. If we have everything except the Lord, then we have nothing. If we have everything except the Lord, then we have nothing. But, if we have nothing except the Lord, then we have everything. Oh, rejoice, beloved of God. In Christ you have everything. You're complete in Him. Absolutely complete. You're qualified for heaven. You're made fit for heaven. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, let no man beguile you of your reward and the voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have in nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Those who are holding the head are holding on to the one who has life eternal. They have laid hold upon the hope that is set before us, which is Christ who has already entered within the veil, beloved? we as believers are admonished to hold fast the profession of our faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Gracious Heavenly Father, Oh, you're so merciful to us. We are undeserving sinners, but yet you have mercy, mercy towards us in Christ Jesus our Lord, and we are only accepted in you, Lord Jesus. And we marvel that we sinners are made righteous, made righteous, qualified for heaven by the shedding of your precious blood and being robed in your perfect, spotless righteousness. Oh, Lord, may we think upon the wonderful mercy that you've had towards us in sacrificing yourself for our sins. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.